welcome to another episode of Beyond Fintech. Right now, we have Dave Birch um, on board for, for this new show. I'm very excited to have him on board. Um, he has been a friend for many years, joining the very early days beyond fintech sessions on Clubhouse and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. now supporting us through the podcast. So thank you so much for being here. It's great to be here, Sophie. Thank you for inviting me. Cool. So just to get things a bit started, can sure. you tell us what you are doing right now? Uh, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm still part-time with the consulting company and I I'm still do consulting. Um, but obviously, uh, you know, I wrote a couple of books and, and I like that and I, I write for some magazines, so that's a lot of time. But, um, you know, I, I have a little portfolio of, of boards and advisory boards and, you know, really enjoyable stuff. So, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, so I have been reading a lot of your Forbes uh, articles, actually. Thank you. I'm a massive supporter also of your uh, little drawings. I think you have an artist that uh, is following you during this adventure. He Helen Holmes, she's fantastic. Yeah, she draws those beautiful little cartoons. So simple, but mm -hmm. she, she makes so much expression mm -hmm. with such simple... I, I, yeah, I love them. And I, I, thought it would make the, I thought it would make the columns look a little bit different, you know, so... So, and, and of course now they're now NFTs. You can buy you can, exactly. you can buy NFTs of the cartoons as well. So yeah. So FinTech Central. That's exactly what I wanted to move into just before jumping in the topic of the day on CBDCs. But oh, I sure, wanted yeah. to know what has been the experience of creating NFTs, selling NFTs? Like can you walk me through that? Well, I mean, the whole thing is an expensive, pointless nightmare, but uh, <laughs> but it's it's useful in terms of learning about the technology. I mean, the thing is, you know, the the, the fees are high, the network's congested, an awful lot of messing around, opening wallets and transferring things backwards and forwards and all this sort of thing. But um, it was worth doing it to learn about the technology because there's something there, you know. I mean, I mean, people talk about NFTs, they they lump them all together, you know, but actually. If you think, I mean, I can make a very simple distinction, okay? Yeah. So there are NFTs that are useful. Yeah. NFTs that have an effect in the, in the world. So uh, event tickets, magic swords, that kind of thing. <laughs> There's NFTs that are useless, and that's art. And I don't know anything about art, so I can't really comment on it. So whether it's worth paying $1,000 for a picture of a chimpanzee, I couldn't say. I'm not an artist. Can we learn something about interesting new businesses yeah. which use useful NFTs? I, I think we can. And I think we can see that there are certain businesses that actually could be disruptive. But, because obviously the NFTs remove intermediaries. You know, people can just buy and sell them themselves. So it looks a bit crazy, pictures of apes and whatever. And I'm sure, but that's art. I don't know anything about art. Are there useful NFTs that will change some businesses? Yes, there are. So have you tried several platforms? Like what has been the best experience so far, knowing that it's early days? Well, our experience with selling the NFTs was on OpenSeas, which is one of the big platforms. And it, it, it took time, you know, to work out how to get the Ethereum you needed and the gas and how to do things in the right order and so on. But, you know, it was doable. Um, so I'm not saying that the platforms they have now are the platforms for the future. You know, you, you can see people developing alternatives all the time, Solano and Tezos and so on. But the, the central idea, you know, can we use can we use something where the security is guaranteed by the infrastructure yeah. rather than 
external auditing or checking or something? I, I think the answer to that is yes. Yeah. And it's interesting yeah. because, the, because for some intermediaries, I mean, you know, you know this on the payment side, right? Yeah. When we have tokens rather than, as in CBDCs, right? <laughs> so we can exchange the tokens directly between yeah. each other. There are a great many intermediaries that go away. Yeah. Because, you know, if I, if I, you know, if I, if I buy something from the shop with my debit card, the money goes from my bank account yeah. to the shop bank account. But there's the acquirer, the processor, the PSP, you know, the, you know, yeah. merchant acquirer, settlement, you know, scheme. The, the scheme, <laughs> the network. There's all of these things. But if the money goes from my wallet to your wallet, yeah. that's it. Yeah. The money goes from my wallet to your wallet. There's nothing else. So, yeah, it, it, it is going to be uh, disruptive. And so, like, basically, there is a massive movement of disintermediation, right, that has been started with, like, the blockchain. We're discussing CBDCs. We're talking about NFTs. How did we get there? Like, what's the need behind? Like, what has been uh, the, the reason for the inception of such movements? Well, I think it actually goes back to the, the, the kind of early days, but it maybe not have been conceptualized in the same way. But, but I think it's important to you know, Bitcoin is, is not fungible. Bitcoin is a, so, so fungible in, in, in money terms, so like in English law. Yeah. For something to be money, it has to be fungible, right? Yeah. A car isn't fungible. If I steal your car and I sell it to somebody, you can go to the court and get the car back. Mm. They didn't know it was stolen. It doesn't matter. It's still your car. You can yeah. go and get it back. That's not true with money. Yeah. You know, if I steal money and pay it into the bank, you can't go to the bank and get that money back. The, the original money I paid in, all money is the same. It's yeah. all fungible. Cars aren't. All cars are different. All physical things are different. So one of the reasons why Bitcoin isn't money, is, one of the reasons why Bitcoin is a, is a digital asset and not money is because it's not fungible. Yeah. Every Bitcoin has unique history. You know, you see it all the time, the stuff going on with Bitcoins being stolen and defrauded and people getting together and tracing them. And you've got companies like Chainalysis who are here, Elliptic, who are doing a great job in, in doing that. So, so this idea that you have tokens and they're traceable and the network maintains their security goes back to the early days. The idea of binding those tokens yeah. to things off of the chain Well, I mean, as you remember, that was one of the areas that that digital asset area was one of the areas where I thought um, the blockchain had more promise because of the transparency and accountability that goes with that. So um, it's been driven into the sort of map through through art and Banksy and all that sort of thing. And that's great. It gets a but uh, but I think that's not the kind of the utility. The idea that you can exchange these tokens that you could code in. Yeah. Uh, you know, because we're all interested in the programmability of these things. The idea that you could sort of code in regulation yeah. rather than having to have auditing and, and, and I think that's really interesting. And, and as a way of reducing the cost of financial intermediation and actually also constructing more complex instruments to manage risk, I mean, instruments that will be traded I mean, one of the interesting things about DeFi is this is about bots. It's not about people. It's... Um, no. So when you put all those things together, you know, you do see the outlines of a new financial infrastructure that you don't have to say that. Now, will that new financial infrastructure operate in parallel with the current infrastructure? Will it overtake it? I don't know enough about it to know. 
But my suspicion would be that once that, once that regulatory component is in there, uh, some of the fraudulent criminality and stuff uh, is coded out of yeah. the system, then actually liquidity will drain into those uh, you know, not, not because people are ideologically committed to DeFi, but because it's just cheaper yeah. to, to run markets in that way. So I, I'm very positive about it. You know, I, I, if the people who are the DeFi crazies here are correct, and there's something to what they say, if that's true, that yeah. that's a better way of doing it. I can't see how it can be on the current infrastructure. Yeah. You know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, they just do not support the volumes that... The, the way they work isn't the right way to so so it's got to be some other networks in the so future. So is there a network where you are really bullish currently on, or you just think it's not invented yet? No, I mean I, I do I do spend time looking at what the guys at um, you know Tezos and so on are doing because I'm interested yeah. in it. But you know it's outside my envelope to know which of those is going to be the best one. But I you know I I can see that there will be change and they're not crazy. You know. <laughs> So obviously, like we have discussed about like the possibility of having these two, um, uh, let's like basically elements um, in parallel uh, or for essentially like the blockchain to, to become mainstream and governments are starting looking uh, into it very actively. And this is really the, the topic of CBDCs. And we see many governments like running some uh, pilots and proof of concept and things like that. but. When is it becoming mainstream? Like, what does the future hold? Well, I mean, people talk about digital currency as if there's a digital currency. But actually, uh, in, in my opinion, well, actually, many people's opinion, um, there are actually different kinds of digital yeah. currency. So when you say when, that's actually quite a complicated question. Yeah. Because I think <laughs> you can see that in the short term, the need for some sort of wholesale digital currency for institutions to construct these more sophisticated yeah. uh, markets. I think that's there already. I mean, uh, and you already see, you know, people like Finality and, and so yeah. on in that space. Uh, you know, we've already seen the Bank of England bringing in the omnibus accounts to support these new. So in wholesale digital currency, I think that's actually not that far away. There's an, an obvious need for it. And, um, You know, we can't put central yeah. bank money onto blockchains, so we need tokens uh, to do that. For retail digital currency, I think it's a bit of a different story because yeah. certainly, I mean, we're here thinking about Europe at the moment, and there's not really any pressing need for retail digital currency in Europe. I mean, I can make an argument which says in the long run, we want this more innovative platform and we want a form of digital money with, you know, APIs and links to identity and all this kind of thing. Um, and in time, I'm sure that will come. But is there a pressing need for it? Not really. I mean, you know, nobody in Sweden, England uses cash anyway, and things work fine, and debit cards work. And I mean, there are some niches that don't work. Micropayments would be a good example. Yeah. And it's possible that digital currency can, can leak into those a bit sooner. But in reality, I... I don't know how you see it, but I, I just don't see an overwhelming need yeah. for retail digital currency. That's some way down. In the middle, I think you can, you'll see a demand for what we might label sort of industrial digital currency, mm. uh, or yeah, people robo-cash or machine cash. <clears throat> Because if you look at the sectors where people are trying to 
energize supply chains, remove cross-border takeout letters of credit, remove credit risk uh, from those kind of things. Um, you know, this idea that machines will need digital currency to, 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 to exchange with each other, yeah. you know, in this kind of industry 4.0, IoT, smart <laughs> supply chain thing. The, the more I look at that, the more I begin to think, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I think there's more, there's more demand for that in the, that sector than there is on the retail side. So in the short term wholesale, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. In my opinion, retail is in the longer term, no present one. But in the middle, there's, there are going to be these digital currencies, no credit, central bank reserves, but actually not for people and not for institutions, but for machines. And I think that opens up some new thinking. So as I say, it's a, it's a complicated answer to a it's, simple question. Well, it's a complicated uh, concept in, yeah. uh, in general. So I think like, like, unfortunately, you didn't bring your crystal ball with you yeah. today <laughs> that, uh, that can tell us for sure what's going on in the, in the future. But may I venture to ask, like, amongst like, those use cases in the wholesale sector um, or the ones in the middle, maybe some initiatives that you are the most uh, excited about, like maybe some companies that are developing some, some stuff that really excites you. Oh, on the CBDC side? Yes. Well, look, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm at the stage where, like for most of our clients, you know, they're, they're, you know banks and payment schemes and, and so on, um, they're at the stage of looking at what their strategic response should be yeah. in that area. And so, so I'm looking at things that tell us something about potential strategies uh, rather than sort of short-term implementation. So I spend my time looking at, you know, what's going on in China, looking at the responses to the, to the Euro consultation on it, uh, looking at what the Bank of England is doing in its working groups. And, and, and these are all pilots. Well, I mean, it's live in China, but yeah. generally these are pilots and trials. So I don't know if you can point to any of those and say that's how it's going to work. Yeah. I, I think you can look at them and say that's, you know, where we're going to get, you know, some good input from. What I would say in terms of, which, you know, this is a fintech show. If I was young and dynamic and entrepreneurial and I was going to try and set up a company in this space, I actually, I think I would target the wallets rather than the currency that they hold. You can already see from what's going on with Facebook and PayPal and, you know, you can see this battle yeah. of wallets beginning. And you probably remember earlier in the year, um, Jamie Dimon said that um, you know, when, he, when he shut down Chase Pay, his payments would be the hill yeah. to die on. That's, because of, that's not because of payments margin, as you know perfectly well. Yeah. That's because of the payments data. And getting hold of that data is the sort of really critical thing. So the wallet, yeah. rather than the current... I mean, you need, you need the currency, otherwise... You know. But I, I can't help but feel like the strategic competition yeah. for, well, for guys like you... Um, is really more to do with the wallet than the money. And wallet is about digital identity, not particularly about digital money. It's about, you know, it's about, you know, if you, if you look at, well, actually I don't have my wallet with me, but if you looked in my wallet right now, there's no, there's no money in my wallet. What's in my wallet is identity. Yeah. It's, it's driving license and cards and loyalty and memberships and all this kind of thing. And taking those into the digital space, is uh, you know the opportunities for competition and margin and, and so on. So, so actually, I would say CBDC will, will stimulate yeah. you know, those kind of wallet things. But actually, for 
for people building new businesses. I mean, don't you feel like it's like the wallet is a better focus than the? the I, I, like definitely, absolutely, and also I like uh, owning the, uh, the the end user and like this where you provide the experience, it's not the currency in itself. Like <laughs> you could trade bananas in the end if it's the currency is the currency, but like who's distributing the banana and uh, uh, like helping you essentially like um, providing you the good fridge to store them is definitely like uh, what the end user cares about. Yeah, absolutely. And the people who can provide that end user experience. Yeah. There's no obvious reason why yeah. that would be banks. You know, uh, it could be, you know, we could end up with things like uh, you know, PayPal or something becoming a super app. We could have, you know, the, there's the commission's push to have a Euro digital ID wallet that could turn into the home for it. I, I, I don't know enough about brands and marketing and that sort of thing, but I can't help but feel like the, the retailers have a role to like it. I don't know. People's touch point is is yeah. actually with retailers, isn't it? So that has a role to play. Um, brands themselves yeah. might become um, wallets. So I, you know, I don't know is the answer, but but it's not obvious to me that bank wallets would be the way forward on that. Yeah. And I think it's actually interesting because you're taking like this retailer angle and, you know, like I'm passionate about embedded finance and making a service. And like I also strongly believe that the future like is in the hands of the brands, essentially the people that own the customers and that can provide like those relevant experiences at the right point of context. And this is exactly what you're describing, but from an identity perspective, so. But, but also, but, you know, I mean, but also you're seeing it from that customer experience. You know, yeah. uh, you know, you know more about that than I do. And in terms of making that customer experience contextual, yeah. well, surely the retailers would be the better, like who's going to make a better shopping experience in Carrefour <laughs> than Carrefour? Yeah. So, so if, if you put those things together, I think it's sort of underexploited. And also, if you you can imagine those retailer wallets, not just for CBDC, but also being connected through open banking, yeah. you know, to 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 do the funds transfers and so on. So, so that actually to me seems you know really pretty interesting direction. No, it totally makes sense. Well, just a last question. Um, sure. What's your next book? <laughs> uh, well, it's got a bit it's got a bit stuck actually, but I, I'm halfway through a book. Uh, called Will Robots Need Passports, um, which that. is another book about digital identity. But this time, my last book about digital identity was about the digital identity of people. Uh-huh. Um, and of course, in the last few years, the thinking has moved on. And now we realize everything needs a digital identity, companies, people, robots, toasters. So um, yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm writing a book about what it means for everything to have an identity. I'm looking forward to reading it You're and also kind, the so video you. with uh, probably a virtual background with a robot or two. <laughs> <laughs> You're very kind. Thank you very much, Sophie. Thank you so much for uh, joining Beyond Fintech.